So it is um, Baptism Sunday, uh, which is always a highlight in the diary. It's um, always one of those times to, to celebrate and to um, come together as a whole church family. Um, but before we do that this morning, um, I just want to open up the scriptures together and um, look at um, a couple of different things. Um, we're in the midst of a teaching series here uh, on the theme uh, this theme that was central to Jesus's uh, message and and ministry. You see, Jesus Jesus uh, he he had a message, uh, and his and his message was the kingdom of God is near, uh, and th- and he also had a ministry, and his ministry was that the kingdom of God is near, and and so there's this this idea that Jesus he he proclaimed a message of the kingdom. Uh, but he also demonstrated the kingdom. He demonstrated it through laying his hands on the sick and seeing them get well, through uh, reaching out to the poor and broken, uh, by, by going for uh, justice for those who were oppressed. He, he, he preached the kingdom, but he also uh, demonstrated it. And, and so we've been, we've been thinking about what that means to orientate our lives around this central theme uh, of, of Jesus' message and, and, and ministry, uh, this, this idea of, of the kingdom of God. And, and, and we've kind of been using a, a, a passage in the Bible uh, where, where Jesus' disciples, they came to him and said, Jesus, how, how should we pray? Uh, you know, how, how, should we do, how should we do this prayer thing? And, and his response was uh, to pray like this, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and you might remember um, we started this, this, when we started this series that you know, this concept of the kingdom can be quite a nebulous thing. It's kind of really sometimes hard for us to, to fathom and kind of get our heads around. And, and sometimes we, we find it hard to define. And, 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 in, and in doing that, I think we, we sometimes reduce what, what the, the message and ministry of Jesus was all about. And I think, in a, in particularly in our Western context, we've, we've kind of made the message of Jesus about praying a prayer so we get to go to heaven when we die. Um, and, and, and it kind of becomes like this eternal fire insurance, uh, you know, where we, where we just, we kind of, we pray a prayer in order to secure where our eternal destiny might be. Uh, but the implications of this prayer <laughs> means means it's completely different. You see, you see, we we often think the gospel is about how do we escape uh, here and go up there. When when Jesus talked about um, up there coming down here, that, that actually it's about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus' message was never the message of pray this prayer and you'll get to go to heaven when you die. But Jesus' message was something far greater. The other thing that we, we said about the kingdom is that it's not so much a realm, but actually it's a place where God's effective will is done. That the, the, the kingdom is where God's will is done. That that's when the kingdom is at hand. And so it's not a rule, it's not a, a realm, but it's a rule 
and a rain. And uh, you might remember we, we have this quote from a guy called Scott McKnight. He says, the kingdom of God is the society in which God's will is done. A little further on in Matthew chapter 6. So he teaches them to pray this way. Uh, and then he says that, that we need to be the kind of people who seek first the kingdom. And, but sometimes, I don't know if you notice this, it's, it's hard to seek something we don't fully understand. You know, it's hard to kind of grasp out for something that we don't fully, fully see. And so what we've been doing over these, these weeks and what we're going to continue to do is looking at seven signs or seven themes of the kingdom of God. And um, these seven themes that can be found in the, the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And, and, and they're, they're simply these things, joy, salvation, peace, justice, belonging, healing, and God's presence. And so this week, uh, so la- last week you may remember, uh, Anya spoke a little bit about joy. Uh, this week, uh, we're going to be looking at this, this sign of the kingdom of salvation. And uh, it's quite apt that we're, we're doing this on a baptism Sunday. It's kind of if we planned it. Um, and, um, and so I just, I just want to take a few moments to think about this, this theme of salvation. Now, the Hebrew, the Hebrew scriptures um, uses a word for salvation which is yasha, which means to bring into a wide open space. That's, that's the kind of literal meaning of what's going on. And so it's, the implications of that is that those that experience salvation go from a place of captivity and pain and isolation and are led into a place of, of uh, freedom and fullness. You know, salvation does mean forgiveness of sin. It does mean access to God. But it's also more than that. That, that it's about being brought into a fullness of life. It's about living life as it was fully intended. And, you know, those that are stepping into the waters of baptism this morning are, 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 are beginning to experience that life that salvation brings. Jesus, Jesus said this in John 10.10. 10. He said, I've come that they may have life and life to its fullest. You see, salvation is far more than just the destination. <laughs> salvation is far more than what cloud you get to sit on when you die. Salvation is, is about a transformed life. It's about living a life that is completely transformed. And so I just want to quickly, anecdotally, look at uh, a story in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8, if you've got a Bible. And we are going to do the PG version of this passage today, because uh, I remember the kids are in. Um, some of you are thinking, what? 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 Um, but Acts chapter 8, and we're going to pick up in verse... 2026. 20, and, and as we do, as we look at this, I'll, what I want us to remember is that God is a God who actively pursues us. Yeah, we, we think we choose him, but actually 
He's a God who pursues us. He's the one who leads us into the wide open space. So Acts 8 and verse, verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, to the desert road that goes there from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Now, I'm conscious going to this passage, it's a bit like flicking through the TV channels and you're kind of watching a film that's been on for half an hour. You're kind of like, what, what's, what's actually going on here? So before we read on, I just want to kind of give you the, the, the backstory a little bit. You see, the, the people of God, God's, God's chosen people, uh, the, the Israelites, um, they, they lived in a story. Um, and, and, and the story they lived in was that one day God was going to raise up a Messiah. He was going to raise up an anointed Savior, a figure that would come and bring freedom to the people of God, that he would come and he would overthrow their oppressors. And, and so this story is what the people of God orientated their lives around. They lived around this story, and they're all eagerly looking for the day when, when that happens. And now the Scriptures tell us that in the fullness of time, uh, this, this man, Jesus, appears, and he begins to speak about a kingdom, and he begins to demonstrate what the kingdom is like. He begins to lay hands on the sick. He begins to release the oppressed and, and, and bring the dead back to life. And, and, and people start to put two and two together. And they think, hold on a minute, we're, we're waiting for this, this one. We're waiting for the anointed one to come and bring freedom to set us free. Could this Jesus character be the one. And, 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 and surely, if he is the one, he's going to bring freedom. Uh, the, the, the oppression of Rome, you know, God's people in this, in this stage of the story are, are being oppressed by the Roman Empire. And, and, and so people are starting to think, surely this Jesus is the one who's going to set us free. And so momentum starts to build around this Jesus. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day don't like this. They don't like it at all. They, they conspire with the Roman Empire. And they, they, they put on a mock trial. And, and, and they strip him naked. They beat his body. They nail him to a cross. And they murder him in public. And in many ways, it was kind of like the authorities of the day saying, we told you, this, this isn't the one. This isn't the, the savior. This isn't the so-called king of the Jews. We've defeated him. And so they put him in the grave, and they think that's the end. But three days later, he raises from the dead. And, and, and when he rises, he, he appears to his followers. And he, and he says to his followers, he says, the kingdom that you were expecting isn't the kingdom that I'm going to bring. You see, it's not a kingdom that overthrows uh, political powers or oppressors, but it's a kingdom 
that sets people free. It's, it's a kingdom that sets people free from sin and guilt and pain and fear. And as a result of this kingdom, it's going to change everything. It's going to, it's going to change everything. It's going to, it's going to take what's broken and what's wrong with the world and make it right again. And then he looks to his followers and he says, and you guys are my witnesses to that. You're my witnesses to that. And you're, you're going to go throughout the earth and you're going to declare the good news of the kingdom and the freedom that it brings. And so these un, fairly underqualified, ragtag bunch of people, some of them fishermen, you know, none of them had much status in life. They, they begin to, to talk about this Jesus and his kingdom. And thousands and thousands of people start to follow. And so this begins to happen, but it's only really happened in a small corner of the world. It's, it's happened in Jerusalem. It's, it's happened amongst uh, the, the people of God. And then, and then what happens is that you've probably figured that the religious people aren't happy about this. And aren't happy about these followers of Jesus getting such a following. And so they take one of their leaders, Stephen, and they, they murder him. They stone him to death. And, and, and what happens is, is it, 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 it freaks them out. <laughs> and, and they scatter. And they begin to scatter. And, and, and so these, these early believers begin to scatter. And, and what they find is, is that as they, as they scatter to other places, they begin to see the same things happen that were happening in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and in the ends of the earth. And so what happens is, is that this, this gospel of the kingdom, this message of the kingdom, goes beyond just God's chosen people. And other people begin to enter in. Other people begin to experience the life that Jesus offers and say, we want in on this too. We want to be part of this. We want to, we want to have part of this. And, and really, to, at this point, this is where the book of Acts, it changes gear a little bit. Because we see the floodgates uh, begin to open. We see the gospel crossing boundaries, moving outside of religious systems, moving beyond ethnic groups and everybody and anybody is invited to follow Jesus and so this this Ethiopian is an example of that happening uh, this Ethiopian eunuch who who was a man of influence it would seem and uh, and Philip being a uh, a Jewish follower of Jesus who's like running for his life, I'm guessing. Um, he hears God speak to him and say, I want you to go to this place. I want you to go to this man. And so here's, here's what happens, picking back up in verse 30. It says, then Philip, he ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading uh, Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before, uh, before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. 
In his humility, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began uh, with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And actually, there's documented evidence that uh, this this, uh, Ethiopian went on to plant uh, dozens of churches throughout his homeland, churches that still exists to this day. And, and really what that says is, is that what, you know, the pages of the scriptures are, are rooted in history, you know, and there's evidence that we can see uh, what God has done. Now, one of the things I really like about this story is the fact that God is pursuing him. Long before this guy was pursuing God, God was pursuing him. And that is true for us as well, isn't it? That many of us think we chose God, but actually he first chose us. And, 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 and we see this in this Ethiopian eunuch. And so I guess, I, guess, um, I guess in order to kind of unpack this a little bit more, we, ask that we need to answer a few questions. Um, one question is, 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 what's a eunuch? And as I say, this is the PG version. Um, my wife is thinking, what's he going to do? What's he going to say? Um, in, in biblical terms, a, a, a eunuch was a person either born with a physical abnormality or a person who went through a surgical procedure uh, to have that abnormality. Um, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, speak to my wife <laughs> at the end. Uh, she, she, will, she will tell you. Um, I didn't think this through. Um, but suffice to say, this, this um, you can explain to the children, darling. Um, um, this, oh, I've lost myself now. This, this guy, this, this eunuch, um, how many times can I say the word eunuch? Um, he would have lived in isolation. He would have been isolated from associating with God the way everybody else could, simply because of who he was. He was, he was marked out. He was separated from everyone else, maybe seen to be a little strange, um, maybe seen to be somewhat inferior. And it's this guy that, that God leads Philip to. And it's this guy that God sees fit to send Philip to him and reveal himself to him. You know, the church is often seen, isn't it, as an intolerant institution. In our culture, we're seen to be outdated with our views and perspectives. But I actually think we're we're pretty much the only place in the world that accepts anyone. 
You know, every other religious system makes distinctions, be it distinctions on moral behavior or ethnic background. But the church of Jesus Christ is a place that says the gates are wide open. The gates are wide open. Everybody is welcome. It doesn't matter uh, what you've done or what's been done to you. It doesn't matter if, uh, if you're broken or wounded or addicted or wherever you are or wherever you've been. Jesus says, come, come. But not only does he say come, but he actively pursues people like that too. You see, the truth is those who feel excluded or isolated are often the ones that God pursues the most. They're the ones trying to figure out where they fit. Uh, they're, They're the ones thinking, will God accept me? Will God love me? Will he love me in my brokenness? Will he love me in my pain? Will God love me in the midst of my addictions, in the midst of my broken relationships, in the midst of my messy life? Will his love extend that far to me? And the, the answer is yes. God is coming for you. God is coming for you. You see, the gospel is, is really simple. And that is your arms are not long enough to reach God. You see, trying to reach God is a bit like trying to reach Mars. Okay? We can all have a good go at it, can't we? But we're not going to reach Mars. And, and no matter how long your arms are, you might have extra long arms, I don't know. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've got long arms. But, you know, no matter how long your arms might be, and no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you try and modify your behavior, no matter how you know, much you try and change your position in life, you're still not going to reach Mars. And so the gospel of Jesus is that whilst our arms will never reach God, God's arms reach down to us. And so he does that by wrapping himself in human flesh and then coming and suffering on a cross and then raising again from, dead from, the, raising again from the grave and making a way for you and me to walk into the embrace of God's arms. That God's arms are long enough to reach each one of us. And so to have a life with God is simply to say yes to him. It's not about being able to reach something. It's not about being good as you can be. It's not about how moral or as kind you can be. It's not about how worse or better you are than anyone else. Those games are over at the foot of the cross. You see, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or tall or short or fat or thin. It really doesn't matter. Because we all get access 
the same way. We all get to access through the cross and the mercy of Jesus. See, our only qualification for this is that we're a loser. Okay? You're all losers. But that's how you qualify. You don't qualify being smart. You don't qualify having it all together. You qualify for the gospel by admitting, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I've lost it all. And being someone who accepts the mercy of God. And you know, for this Ethiopian, he was someone who lived isolated. He was someone who lived a life thinking he didn't qualify. And suddenly, for the first time in his life, he's thinking, is this really for me too? Am I really included? And as they ride along, he sees some water. And I love what he says. He says, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? In other words, who's going to stop me? And I imagine Philip was like, not me. You know, I ain't going to stop you. And this guy's like, we've got to do this now. Let's, let's go and do this. Let's, let's go and do it. Let's get, let's get baptized. Let's enter into this symbolic and amazing exchange that God has made. You see, as, as uh, we enter it, uh, people enter into the waters of baptism today, it's a, it's a symbol of death and rising to new life. Uh, this, this baptism pool here, if you're wondering what it is, uh, I often say it should be more shaped like a coffin. Um, and uh, then baptism would be even more weirder than it is. Um, but that's what it's, this is what it represents. As these guys take this plunge, they're, they're dying to their old life. And they're being raised again into new life. And for 2,000 years of church history, the, the church has continued to invite people to enter in, enter into the waters of baptism, to, to receive all that God has to offer in terms of salvation and life and life to its fullest. And so, really, you know, salvation and the, and the gospel of the kingdom is for all of us. None of us are excluded. We're all invited in. Now, when we meet Jesus, it changes a lot of things. And he changes a lot of things. And he, and he, he, he comes and he, it's, like, it's like having someone move into your house and, and choosing to put the sofa somewhere else. That's kind of what it's like when Jesus comes and plonks himself in our lives. But actually, the gates are open. It's, it's open wide. And so there are many of you here this morning who have already entered into the waters of baptism. Maybe you've made this, this public declaration before, this symbolic process of, 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 of what God has done in your lives. And, and, you know, it's not a time for you this morning to be passive, if that's you. If you're someone who's already been baptized, you don't need to be passive in this. Um, hopefully you can all cheer. Shall we have a go? One, two, three. That was rubbish. 
Let's, let's go again. You ready? One, two, three. Oh. Hey, that was, that was a little bit better. Um, so you, that's your part in a moment. But uh, it's, not, it's not a time to be passive. Because when we see uh, friends and, and people enter into the water of baptism, we're reminded of the, of, of the decision that we've already made. We're, we're reminded of the fact that, yeah, I've already surrendered it all. And I still want to surrender it all. I'm still giving it to you, God. You know, I, I didn't go into the water of baptism holding my wallet out of the water. I didn't go into the water of baptism holding my sexuality out of the water. I didn't go into the water of baptism holding my work life out of the water. It's all yours, God. And we're reminded of that again. As, as these guys take this step, we too are reminded of the decision that we've made. But there might be others of you today who are thinking, what's stopping me getting baptized? What's stopping me? Why can't I enter into the waters of baptism today? And guess what? Nothing's stopping you. Nothing's stopping you. You know, we've got, we've got some folks who are going to come and be baptized, and they've told us. But some of you, you might be like that Ethiopian thinking, what's stopping me? Why can't I do this? Why, why can't I do this? And all I'd say is, is make, to, make sure you take your phone out of your pocket. And we might have a t-shirt that you can borrow and a towel. Okay? Um, but if, if, if you want to do that, we're going to baptize these folks first. But if you're one of those people you think, just like the Ethiopian unit, you're thinking, you know what? What's stopping me? What's stopping me saying yes to Jesus this morning and entering the waters of baptism? Nothing, okay? So we're going to baptize these folks, and then if that's you, we would love to do that too. And no one will give you a lift home because you'll be soaking wet. <laughs>